0: first person we're going to hear from has truly had a transformation through the gospel as she would say god truly has saved her soul so i'm going to welcome up amy campbell uh to the stage Uh, amy has did not find christ through riverwood church but i want you to hear her story and how the gospel changes lives so amy microphones all yours
1: good morning can everybody hear me okay well my name is amy campbell and I recently became a part of Riverwood Church. I'm very um, blessed and grateful to be here. This was me a little over four years ago. On February 27th of 2013, I was federally indicted for conspiracy to to distribute methamphetamines. Up until that point, I had been battling a lot of different things in my life. A few weeks before that, I had prayed for God to help me because I couldn't keep living the way that I was. I didn't realize when I was indicted that that was how God was removing me from the destructive path that I was on. Ten days after I was indicted, I went to a service that was held at the jail where I was, and the only reason that I attended church that day, honestly, was just to get out of the jail cell. During the service, the lady was telling me how sometimes God will allow you to go through some things to get your attention, and that maybe this was how he was getting our attention. I felt like she was speaking right to me. She told us how God uses certain circumstances to bring us closer to him, and at the end of the service that day, I gave my life to Christ. Over the course of the next few months, I did Bible study every day and read the Bible, Everything I read and every message I heard spoke to me in so many ways. I went to church all throughout school and read the Bible, but now my eyes were finally open and I could hear the things God was telling me through the scriptures. I couldn't believe how different it was affecting me at that point in my life compared to when I was a child. I was sentenced to eight years in federal prison. I wouldn't even tell anyone how many years I had gotten because I really didn't believe that I would serve all that time. I felt in my heart that God was going to bring me home sooner than that. When I got to prison is when what my life was about to become became real. I was placed in a federal prison camp in Alabama, 16 hours away from my home, my family, and my children. I realized at that point that I had taken everything I had for granted. I had everything I could have ever wanted, and now I had absolutely nothing. I was so lost that I didn't even know who I was as a person. There wasn't really anything to do in that prison because it was so new, but the chapel services were amazing. And a few weeks after being there, I got baptized. I went to church every Sunday, joined the choir, did Bible study every day for two or three hours. And I walked and ran the track and praised God for what he was doing in my life. A year and a half after I was in prison, they passed a law for most sentences that involved drugs to, re- to receive a two-point sentence reduction. For me, this was 26 months off of my sentence. My sentence went from 96 months to 70 months. And now I also qualified for the res- residential drug abuse program, which would give me an additional 12 months off my sentence. People started looking at me differently when I would say, see, I told you I wasn't gonna do that eight years. I knew God had another plan for me. I transferred to another prison in Greenville, Illinois to do the drug program and shortly after that, I was able to come home. I walked out of prison on September 27th, 2016, three years and seven months after I was sentenced. I know what it's like to have everything stripped from you, even your dignity, but over the course of that time, God has reshaped me piece by piece. I have been given back more than I could ever imagine I have a good job making more than I had made before. I am rebuilding my relationships with my children and my family. I am free from the things that held me in bondage. I have a house to live in, a car to drive, and a joy in my heart that I never knew existed. The Russells, who are a part of this church, came into my life when I was at Lynn County Jail. I met them through their son, Zach, who was also in jail at that time. Amy was there for me when I had no family there for me throughout my whole prison sentence. She came to visit me, she sent me books, she emailed me all throughout my prison sentence, she sent me money so I could keep in contact with my children. And when I got out, she opened her home to me so that I would have a safe place to stay while rebuilding my life. She has been an amazing Christian mentor and friend and I truly believe that God places everyone in our life for a reason, just like I was brought here to share This testimony to this amazing church family. Throughout my life, I battled emotional and physical abuse as a child. I was raped when I was 17. I had an abusive marriage. I struggled with perfectionism, codependency, alcoholism, drug addiction, and prison. But prison is where I found my freedom through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't let any of those things define who I am today because I am a new creation. Jeremiah 29.11 has been my scripture for four years. I used to read a lot of Karen Kingsbury books, which have the scripture in it. And when I first read the scripture, I thought, how is this not harming me or prospering me when I'm in prison? I just couldn't see it at the time. But I came to realize over time that God was healing me and wants to use me to share my testimony and to help others through my experiences. That's all I have.
0: If you uh, brought a Bible or you've got a Bible up on your phone, go ahead and open it up. Uh, I've got a few scriptures on the screen. Um, Because Nate was going to be here, I didn't plan a super long message. And uh, probably all of you with kids just took a big sigh of relief. Uh, But uh, originally, for our birthday, we were just going to continue on our His Story series. Uh, Those of you who are part of our family, you know that we are uh, going through the entire Bible in 2017. And and we're looking at it in a little different angle. We're looking at how the Bible, all of it, points to Jesus. And so even back in Genesis and through Exodus, and then last week on Easter Sunday of all times, we were in Leviticus. And then this week, I was scheduled for us to jump into Numbers. And we were going to be looking at Numbers uh, 13 and 14. And uh, I kind of thought, you know what, I, rather than me just do the message, I, I think we just need to celebrate what God has done. So I just totally put my stuff aside, invited Amy and Nate to, to come. I was thinking we'd kind of do a little bit of vision casting for Riverwood. But then just kind of last week, it starts dawn on, on me like, you know what, numbers 13 and 14 play right into what we're talking about and, and what we need to do. And so I thought, all right, let's just go there. If this was the original plan, uh, we'll just look at it. Um, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, and kids, you'll want to hear the story because this is a great story. This is the kind of story that they put up on the flannel graph. All right? This is the kind of story that there are songs about. Uh, this is a story about 12 spies. all right. I like spy movies. Kids, any of you like spies? Yeah, yeah, I love like trying to figure it out and sneaking in and that. That's what's going on in this. And the story starts off right in uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. All right, so there were 12 tribes of Israel. And God says to Moses, pick one chief, one leader out of each tribe. Put those 12 guys together and they're going to go into The promised land. All the way back in the book of Genesis, God told Abraham, I'm going to create a nation from you, and this is where they're going to live. And God even defines the boundaries. But when God told Abraham that, he also warned him and said, However, your nation, your people, will be in slavery for about 400 years to another nation. Well, we've already seen how that other nation was Egypt. And how God miraculously, through the ten plagues, brought them out through that Passover. And the people became free. They were no longer in prison. Kind of like we heard Amy's story. But the people laid leave. They get the ten commandments and all of the laws we looked at last week. And then they're now at the footstep of their promised land. This is where they're supposed to go And so God says, all right, bring them together. And did you notice it there? Right in verse two, he says, send them in to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. There's a promise in there. God's saying, this is yours. All I want you to do is get these guys, have them go in so they can see how great it is. And they're gonna bring back a report and you're gonna go in and I'm gonna give this land to you. Except it doesn't quite work out that way. The 12 spies, they come back and everyone's like, okay, what, what'd you hear? What, what'd you find out? And they bring some f- uh, fruit with them, right? And I mean, like these grapes are like basketball sized. I mean, everything just is amazing. And they come back and they said, oh my goodness, that land is flowing with milk and honey. It was just a way to say it's lavish. It's lush. It's amazing. But then you could see a look on their face. And they're going, but there's a problem. And they describe the problem down in verse 32, I mean 31. Halfway through verse 31, the, uh, uh, some of the spies start saying, we're not able to go up against the people. They're, they're talking about the people that live in Canaan, the promised land. For they are stronger than we are. And so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. Saying, the land through which we've gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Kids, have any of you ever stood by someone who's like six foot six or seven foot tall? Right, you you, like, you like cr- get a crane in your neck. It starts hurting because then you're just like, whoa, do they ever stop? I'm like, you start wondering if the weather's different up there. The, the second wedding I, no, third wedding I ever officiated, the groom was six foot six. His bride was six one. He was a basketball player. The shortest guy was six four. Her shortest of her bridesmaids, I think, was like five ten. And then there was me, Right? I felt small. I felt like a grasshopper in their midst. That's what the Israelites felt like. They walk into this land and they see, oh my goodness, it's amazing. Except the people that have it, there, there's no way. There is no way we can defeat them. You see, by sight, it looked impossible. There's no possible way. And so they heard the promise from God, "Go into this land, take a look. this is the land I am giving you," and they come back with a bad report." Well, at least 10 of them did. Two of them, they looked at things a little differently. One of them was a guy by the name of Caleb. And one verse earlier than what we just read, verse 30, Caleb does this. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Did you hear it? Caleb heard the promise of God I'm giving you this land. And so Caleb's mind, it's done. It's a a gone, it's over. We've got it. It's ours. They can't stop us. If you continue on into chapter 14, you see the other spy, Joshua, say the same thing. And Joshua says, it is because the Lord is on our side. Kids, there's many times when you come to something in life and you're thinking, there's no way. I can't do that. I can't complete that assignment. I can't do the task that mom and dad gave me. I can't possibly run that far. I can't do it. And all you're doing is you're looking by sight. But when you've got a mom or a dad who knows you, they see your ability, and they say, I know you can do it. Do you listen to the fears in your mind or do you trust your mom and dad? Because most of you kids, I know your moms and dads and they love you. They are for you. They want to see you do amazing things. And so they're not trying to defeat you and get you down. When they're saying, I believe in you, it's because they know. And what they're asking you to do is to step out, in a sense, by faith. That's what God was asking the Israelites to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people were huge. They were giants. Like, these are the people who would produce Goliath. And Caleb and Joshua are saying, so what? Because if God says we can do it, we can do it. Because ultimately, it isn't going to be us that does it. It's going to be God. He's the one who's going to see this through. There are many times as we planted Riverwood Church that we hit moments where we were looking by sight. It looked like this is impossible. There's no way in the world. In fact, Leanne and I had a few people in the process say, no, I don't think you can do it. I don't know that you guys are capable of doing it. I don't know if Waverly is going to accept you. I don't know if if certain things are going to be able to take place and happen. I don't think you can do it. And as we looked at things by sight, I agreed with them. There were moments where I thought, this isn't going to happen. There was actually a moment one week before Nate, who was supposed to be here to talk, before he came to Christ, where I thought, I'm done. I'm through. We're not making it. And then a week later, I see Nate give his life to Jesus, and I realized God's at work. You see, if you just walk by sight, whether it's kids in the relationship with your parents or at school or moms and dads at work or in in your, in your neighborhood or whatever, if you just walk by sight, there's a lot of things you're thinking, I can't get done. But if God has called you to something, you do it. You see it through, because it's his plan. It's not up to you. I suspect there might be some people here who are wrestling right now. You sense God is saying, I want you to do something. It might be about a job. It might be about a relationship. It might be concerning one of your neighbors. There might be a coworker that you need to, you know, go and talk to. And you are living with fear. You're living by sight. There's no way that person would. There's no way I can. There's no way that will work out. And yet in your heart, you hear God saying, Obey. Follow me. Trust me. Walk by faith. Not by sight. As Riverwood moves kind of into our next phase of life, it means we're going to have to walk by faith, not by sight. I got to be honest. By sight? things look really, really good. And yet, I think this is just an inkling of what God has for us. Because the reason I asked Amy and I wanted Nate to share their stories is because I believe that there are still dozens and even hundreds of people out there who do not know Jesus. They know about him, but they have not truly encountered him. And I want us to be the church that is ready to welcome them. Now, it's messy. If we had met Amy five years ago, Some of us might have been thinking, there's no way. Because her life was an absolute mess, as you heard. And yet, look what God did. It wasn't any certain person that changed her, except the person of Jesus. And I think there are other people who need their story like that. Now, the story is not always in prison, on drugs, doing alcohol. No, sometimes the story is, I wear a tie to work every day. I make all sorts of money, and yet I'm still in an internal prison. This isn't about who can have the most glorious transformation, because my life story is the opposite of Amy's. I never done drugs. I don't drink. Never been to well. I've been to a jail only to visit. Never like incarcerated. My story's completely different, and yet it's no less miraculous, because I was still a slave to sin. I did not know Christ, and through the gospel, my eyes were opened, and I've been growing in Jesus ever since. And that is your story as well. And so if you've been following Jesus for a little bit, or you've been following him for a long time, your story is still just as miraculous, which means God has a plan for you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you to be a blessing. But to be that blessing, it means you have to walk by faith, not by sight. Some of you are here and you may not know Jesus, and that's Okay. I'm glad you came. I want you to know that God knows you. He knows your story. He knows your fears. He knows your future. He loves you. And he also died in your place to pay for your sins. The penalty of sin is death. But Jesus went to a cross to pay it for you. And so you do not have to try to work it all out on your own. Instead, it's placing your faith in God. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to talk to a young man who was struggling How does he place his faith in God? You pray, you talk to God, and you ask him to give you the faith. If that's you today, then I want you to do that. I would love for today, as we celebrate Riverwood's birthday, that today would be your spiritual birthday. The day that you find Jesus and begin to follow him. And watch this gospel change your life. And you too have a miraculous story then of how God has used you. But I also want us to realize as a church family that God hasn't just put us together to gather on Sunday mornings to sing a few songs, hear a message, and call it good. God has brought us together to put us on mission, to grow in a relationship with Jesus so that we can go out and be a blessing through our actions, through our words, and through our presence. That's what I want to see for Riverwood. Would you join me? I want to see us be on mission. I think our greatest days are ahead. I think God's going to use us tremendously alongside of a number of churches in the area to help people find Jesus and follow him. Because I got to tell you, when you see a Nate, when you meet an Amy, and you realize just how God has transformed them, there's nothing better. Because you realize that their future has entirely changed. And not just their future for earth, but their eternity And to think that we get to be a part of that is amazing. So let's not be the 10 spies. Let's not give a bad report. Let's not just walk by sight. Let's be the two spies. Let's follow in the way of Caleb and Joshua. Let's look at Jesus and see he's already done it. And because he's already done it, he's already said it, we can go and do it. Because if our God is for us, who can be against us? So Father, I pray that you would use Riverwood Church to be a place of change, a a place where people find Jesus, they hear this gospel, and they step into the river of Jesus, getting angled deep, and they find that their entire life changed. But God, it doesn't stop there. I pray that each and every one of us, no matter what our age, no matter what our background, no matter how long we've been following you, that you would continue to draw us deeper and deeper with you through your gospel. Father, use us. Use us to change lives. Use our presence. Use our actions. Use our words so that people would find you and follow you. Help us, Father, to trust you and to walk by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.